Greetings, podcast listeners. Welcome back. This is your host, Indra, with Aikido Talks. So, yes, this week is a little bit different. We usually do the Mondays, but today's Wednesday, and then we're going to do another one tomorrow. We're continuing on the chapter of Kenjutsu, or the portion in the section of Kenjutsu, in the book Secrets of the Samurai. We're delving a little bit more into the mind, and here we go. This capacity of the mind to concentrate all its powers of perception upon a single object while remaining aware of the elements surrounding that object had been used by ancient doctrines of development and ultimate liberation in India, China, Tibet, and Japan as a technique for freeing the mind from any dependence upon the multiform and confusing variety of phenomena in man's reality. The first step, consequently, was that of disciplining and concentrating one's mental powers in order to achieve a first level of independence, peace, and harmony. The necessary prelude to further exploration of the social and cosmic essence of that reality in a series of progressive expansions of the human personality. This technique of concentration became an art in the Buddhist school of thought, which took its name from the method used to achieve and perfect such focusing of consciousness on one spot alone. The schools of meditation being known in India as Dhyana, in China as Chan, and in Japan as Zen. Of course, an overwhelming emphasis upon concentration, as noted previously, could become an aberration when interpreted, as it often was, in an absolute sense, and as an end in and in and as an end in and of itself. In such cases, a man's mind would be captured and become congealed in a condition of total dependence upon the object perceived to the absolute exclusion of all other elements existing in that reality. For the masses of bujutsu, however, this intense perception of the single element and significant factor of combat achieved through the disciplines of concentration and meditation was considered a basic requirement of the art of kenjutsu. The, man, the mind had to be prepared to perceive, for example, an entire tree to note with blinding clarity a single leaf among the many on its branches, while simultaneously maintaining an awareness of all the others, each clearly and precisely, but without allowing itself to be captured or distracted by any other or by any one. These ideas concerning the rapid succession of particular perceptions linked to one another by the Bushi's general awareness of the whole, this concentration upon the immediate detail at hand, while he simultaneously maintained his awareness of all the others, were the methodological foundations of many schools of Kenjutsu, as well as all the best schools of Bujutsu in general. They helped to explain the fame of such schools as the Koto Eiri Ryu, 
whose cannons of combat against a group of opponents rather than a single swordsman have figured prominently in some of the best Japanese films of the 1960s, including Yojimbo, Sanjuro, and Harakiri, where the hero, with dazzling speed, proceeds to eliminate or defend himself against swordsmen and spearmen converging upon him from every side. Centuries ago, Takuan wrote, Suppose ten men are opposing you, each in succession ready to strike you with a sword. As soon as one is disposed of, you will move on to another without permitting the mind to stop with any. However rapidly one blow may follow another, you leave no time to intervene between the two. Every one of the ten will thus be successfully and, and successively and successfully dealt with. This is possible only when the mind moves from one object to another without being stopped or arrested by anything. Suzuki, 98. This type of mental independence in the midst of converging foes was even more effective when confronting a single opponent, of course. And with that, we'll be right back. And we are back, continuing from our previous reading. In context, Taquan further specified, No doubt you see the sword about to strike you, but do not let your mind stop there. Have no intention to counterattack him in response to, this, to his threatening move. Cherish no calculating thoughts, whatever. You simply perceive the opponent's move. You do not allow your mind to stop with it. You move on just as you are. Suzuki, 96. This principle of mental independence reached a particular apex in the theory and practice of Kenjutsu with the removal of the most human and almost the most paralyzing obstacle to fluidity of action preoccupation with one's own subjective survival. It had long been known, of course, that a man who, through disciplined training, had relinquished any desire or hope for survival and had only one goal, the destruction of his enemy, could be a redoubtable opponent and a truly formidable fighter who neither asked nor offered any quarter once his weapon had been unsheathed. In this way, a seemingly ordinary man who, by the force of circumstances rather than by profession, had been placed in the position of having to make a desperate choice, could prove dangerous even to a skilled fencing master. One famous episode, for example, concerns a teacher of swordsmanship who was asked by a superior to surrender a servant guilty of an offense punishable by death. This teacher, wishing to test a theory of his concerning the power of that condition we would call desperation, challenged the doomed man to a duel. Knowing full well the irrevocability of his sentence, 
the servant was beyond caring one way or the other, and the ensuing duel proved that even a skilled fencer and teacher of the art could find himself in great difficulty when confronted by a man who, because of his acceptance of imminent death, could go to the limit. And even beyond, in his strategy without a single hesitation or distraction or distracting consideration, the servant, in fact, fought like a man possessed, forcing his master to retreat until his back was almost to the wall. At, the, at last, the teacher had to cut him down in a final effort, wherein the master's own desperation brought about the fullest coordination of his courage, skill, and determination. Suzuki, 186-88. to And with this episode, we end there for now. But it's so amazing to read this because it's sort of uh, separating and how much control we have to be the master of our own minds. Imagine how much we can accomplish by using these particular skills off the mat in the real world of men and women, right? In the human world of materialism and reality, of the non-combat. I mean, I think there are combats everywhere in different ways, different perceives. You don't have to necessarily have a a physical sword. It could be uh, a metaphorical sword cutting through um, obstacles. But I once again urge you all to get this book, Secrets of the Samurai, The Martial Arts of Feudal Japan. And even if you're not a martial artist, um, it's just phenomenal to read about the history But also, it goes into very good detail about um, these excerpts coming from other sources of, of being the master of self. And with that, my dear friends, until next time.